Hello, I'm Jack Badhams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a nature podcast that puts you in the jungle, then we are the natural selection. This is How Many Geese. On a mission to Mexico. All the bees just shot into the shower bucket. Yep. And what I ended up with was just a whole bucket full of bees <laughs> that I then had to scoop out of the bucket lest I just throw them all over my naked body when I'm showering. The camp is run by ants. They have taken over. They're marching towards the tents. They have won. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. I was in the middle of science. <laughs> So, we've arrived at a different camp. We have. A much smaller one. Much more remote. Yeah, yeah. Although, broadly on a similar theme. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. But rather than uh, buildings forming the science room and dinner area, they're more like little wooden shacks. Now. Yeah. We're here for the next while. We've arrived. Lovely and tranquil. Much smaller. But not without its drama. Oh, no. So, we've just arrived. A couple things to note. <laughs> Number one. There is the biggest ant nest yeah. possibly in the world, right in front of the toilets and where you fill up the shower. The camp is run by ants. They have taken over. They're marching towards the tents. They have won. Yeah. <laughs> there are rivers of ants yeah. through the camp. Leafcutter ants just charging all over the place and yeah, are slowly forging their little highways closer and closer to where the tents are. Yeah. So more on that as we get it. Yeah. As it comes in. <laughs> be sure we'll be keeping you updated. Geese may fall to the ants. Yeah, we. this may be the last you ever hear of us. Yeah, this is very much an ants world. <laughs> and can I just actually, while we're on the insect front, talking about the showers, because there isn't much water here, the, the tap where you fill your bucket up for the showers oh, yeah. is covered in bees and wasps. Yeah, but not just like bees and wasps as we know it. Yeah. Bees and wasps as the jungle knows them. Yeah. If you go back to the episode where I fought tarantula hawk wasps, those are the wasps. Those are the wasps. And the great thing was, is when I had a shower last night, the bees were like swarming all over the, you know, because they're drinking the, water, the, yeah. the drips from the taps. And I put my bucket under the tap to fill it up, turned the tap on, and all the bees just shot into the shower bucket. Yep. And what I ended up with was just a whole bucket full of bees <laughs> that, that, that I then had to scoop out of the bucket lest I just throw them all over my bot- naked body when I'm showering. I've heard that they've tried to fight the ants with bleach. Yeah, fire. Fire. Oh, that's, yeah, the ant nest all around it. And just like, this is three four meters across on the ground of just mounds and mounds and mounds of ants streaming out yeah and that's what we're seeing above ground we can only imagine what horrors lie below i don't want to no it keeps that sort of stuff keeps you up at night it's meters deep probably so that's the camp fallen to the ants yeah they are bleach resistant (laughs) fire retardant they run this place (laughs) yeah showers of bees showers of bees run by ants we arrived in the nick of time because the bird team was down yeah extraordinarily we walked in one member dehydrated hypothermia knocked out in a hammock for a couple days 39 degree temperature or whatever it was yep the other member no two ways about it top of the thumb machete color the rest in yeah not great uh, not good for getting birds out of nets no losing that amount of dexterity and with none no one here knowing none the wiser out of the forest walks (laughs) 
seasoned ornithologist jack adams yeah so for the first like couple of days bird surveys exactly yeah stepped into the breach yeah yeah i've got more go on and then while we're sat there in the evening a four by four pulls up with the batman of mexico nat geo and the new york times <laughs> offering a thousand dollar reward for anyone who can find a roost of a vampire bat <laughs> so hormaguero is the name of the camp it's run by ants there's a bounty on the animals and the bird team is down let's see what happens Okay, it's bird time. It's bird time. We're surrounded by them. We are. And we're also, I was going to say surrounded by, by but we're not surrounded I am by her. Well, <laughs> my energy's incompressible. Yeah, your energy, <laughs> yes. We're here with Yanni. Yanni, hello. Hey, 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 good morning. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Um, so, hey, I'm Yanni. I'm the one of the bird scientists here at the Opal, Mexico. Uh, it's actually my second time here. I fluttered around here at this project, also Mex- Opal, Mexico, about six or seven years ago. And in between those past time I was here, and now I've been doing uh, different bird jobs, a little bit also in the tropics, but the other side of the world, so more in Southeast Asia. Uh, I stranded in Malaysia, Peninsular, did some point counts in mangroves, and from there I hopped on to uh, Borneo Sabah. That's got really another, cool. Yeah, yeah it's so another, cool. It is, it is really, 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 I can't complain. Like, yeah. from one job in the other, did some point counts for a year, got into a misnetting job, target netting, back mm-hmm. to the other project, and all of a sudden we're three years further and I'm still hanging out there. Could you just tell us why we measure birds? in the forest, why we study birds. Yeah, definitely. Like, well, why we study or why we measure them, I would give a different answer to those questions. Okay, well, I meant not measure the measurements, as in just what are we looking at, the biodiversity of birds, what does it tell us about the forest, why birds, yeah. Birds (laughs) are great bio-indicators, and that's for multiple reasons. And I think one of the most important reasons is because it's such a biodiverse faunal group, there's a lot of them. We know so much about their ecology, so you know woodpeckers, what they feed on, what type of like trees or habitats they use, understory, upper story, and so forth and so on, and they're vocal and visually present. I mean, there's mammals all around, but you don't see mammals yeah. running around and be like, ha, I've seen them. <laughs> so they're easy to study accurately. Mm. So we get all the data in combination with this ecological knowledge. So based on studies, like knowing which community is there, birds will directly, or this information can directly be related to a condition and status of your habitat or forests. And they have like functional groups, dietary groups also there. You can go look a little more in different categories. So if you see like a change in the birds that eat fruit, then that yeah. may point you towards there yeah. being something, yeah. you know, something has changed in the forest. Yeah, and people yeah. will say like birds are migratory, like they can move distances, and that's true. But that also means that if they go, mm. it means that they don't want to be in this patch of forest specifically. Mm. So yeah. And a lot of birds have like pretty specific requirements and yeah, niches. Yeah, I mean, the, so. we were talking about this on the on the, yeah. the walk back from somewhere. Um, 
the the amount of niches um, and you know you've got birds like the woodcreeper family here yeah and you look at the page of woodcreepers in the book and they all you would think do the same job but all their beaks are slightly different and mm-hmm. they're slightly different sizes and there's just so many niches in this yeah. forest and these the woodcreepers these are birds which just walk up the side of a tree yeah. looking in bark like you would have thought that was a job that could have been done by one bird but yeah. <laughs> like eight ten plus birds have worked out how to do that that's the thing i think when you come to the tropics you think oh every bird is going to be amazingly brightly colored or whatever and then you mm. open the bird book and there's like mm. 10 pages of red oh, <laughs> but yeah and you mentioned a couple different ways you can study birds there miss net point counts target netting yeah could you just explain the three there and which one we're using here Okay, so the one we're using here is the mist netting one, and I would say it's, it's passive mist netting. So we got long nets, how do I compare them with kind of like badminton nets, but then adapted for birds, like the mesh size is really small. We're using 12 meter ones, and we set them up in like lengths in the forest, because birds use like the forest basically, so we want to block their uh, fly paths. Um, and we set them up and we wait and every 20 to 30 minutes we go check and see if we got a bird in there and we extract them really nicely. So it's a lot of like walking, checking, extracting, going back to sitting on our comfortable yoga mats, being <laughs> like a little tar princess in between yeah, the work. Say, I should say we're sat in the forest on some yoga mats, yeah. Yeah. which is very nice. I, the bird surveys, the mist netting, it's very chilled out, isn't it, yeah. really? Yeah, so I like it from one perspective and the other side I miss a little bit the energetic part. So like I did target netting and point counts and like this us a lot of moving through the forest, not following a trail most of the time neither. So it's like some bushwhacking and a little bit more like rough, <laughs> which I also did not like all the time. So there is good points about each of them. I think I prefer the target netting. So target netting then, is that using the same nets? Mm, similar nets, so I would say the same, but the ones I was using were shorter in size. So mm-hmm. the ones we use here for passive are 12 meters. Obviously, if you're not doing anything, you might as well like yeah. optimize your area to catch them. But if you do target netting, you bushwhack and you want to put your net open as fast as possible. And like a 12 meter net just never fits in a forest. Yeah. <laughs> a and and you were after area. specific species then with yeah. target netting. Yeah. And what kind of species would you, why would you be targeting certain species? Um, well, I was an RA, so research assistant. Mm. So assisting somebody for her PhD work. She was looking at uh, the impact of climate change on bird metabolism and obviously the more individuals you get the better your sample size so we would go for catchable and common species just to have like a good yeah scientific database to work with so yeah i think we worked with like 10 10 different kind of species something like that yeah so So, specifically looking for that you walk in through the forest you hear where that bird is and you really quickly set up from there you analyze a little bit their behavior first like are they foraging do you think you're in their territory um, because if you're not in their territory or just at the edge, they might come over but not willing to come down and like get into the net. Um, so you first have a quick analysis of the situation, what is going on, and then you uh, open the net, put a speaker underneath, and then you go hide yourself and you kind of like flirt with the bird there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing the sound through the speaker yeah. to bring the bird in. Yeah. yeah, and you have to play a lot of different, like you have to have a lot of reference, like sounds, like songs, calls, maybe an alarm call. Always, always get them riled up. Yeah. Play a little bit with the volume, stop, and then you see their behavior and like what makes them responsive or not. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then the other one you mentioned was point counts. Yeah. So could you just explain what a point count is? Uh, A point count is kind of sampling, no, it's not kind of. (laughs) It is sampling the whole bird community around you and you're using 
of course, your sight, visual identification, but also based on the songs. Because a lot of birds, as most people know, you will hear, but you will not see. Yeah. Um, so point counts are really just to get the complete uh, assemblage of your community, of where you are. And you go to the forest and you do it every so many meters. You need to make sure that these points are independent from each other, depending on your experimental setup. And then you can compare them with each other within forest types and so forth and so on. And the bird community t will tell you a lot about the condition of the forest. So cool. that one is really more to use them as a bio indicator rather than doing different type of research, I would say. Fantastic. Yeah. And so today we're going to be mist netting. And yeah. so shall we go check the nets? Let's go. So we've just got back from the nets and we have a bird. A little surprise in my bag. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to get him out quietly. He's a little bit of a squirmy bird. So always try to orient it with the head. Ooh, yeah. Oh, here we go. A little squeak. A little squeak. He's going to yeah. be a little screamer. Okay, so as you guys can see, what are the typical characteristics? Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here we got this one in our hands. I obviously know which one it is. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Look at this. So yeah. this is this is a bird that I've seen. Am I right in thinking this is a social flycatcher? It absolutely is a social flycatcher, but they're full of surprises. Yeah, I had see the little crest. That's very cool. So yeah. I have never seen them erecting it to a human so far, so I think wonder that it's more like a territorial thing That's towards other males. So to describe what it's like, it's maybe, well, how big would we say that is? Oh, I would say it's like a 20, 23 centimeter bird with the tail included. Yes, yeah. okay, it's about 20, 23 centimeters. He's that's, not That's very, very accurate. <laughs> very yeah, specific. 23 centimeters, and it's made, like it's under, underside is really canary <laughs> yellow. It's yellow, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then it's got a black mask, really nice white markings on it and then the thing i hadn't seen yeah. when you see them out and about flying around is it's got this red crest on yes, top of its head absolutely and now it's a little bit angry because so you see it coming out yeah more brightly than you ever notice when you see it perched but yeah so always discovering some new things when you get them into hand um so yeah i mean if we want to get oh he's he's actually not too bad no he's a quite little, little screen here and there um which i like <laughs> good <Yeah>. feisty birds <laughs> um so yeah i don't know if we want to see for some measurements mm -hmm. that we can take obviously now it's breeding season here in the area um and these ones i think they're not dimorphic male and female even though it might be that the male are the ones that have the red crests. I should check okay. in uh, the ID guides. So not dimorphic, meaning that males and females, females look, look the same. The same. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Sorry for all the <laughs> no, <laughs> non-violent. He's very, very squeaky. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are more squeaky ones out there. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. there are way more chilly ones what's, out there. What's the squeakiest bird? What's, what's the bird that, when you catch it, it's just really angry? Wood creepers. Wood creepers. Wood creepers. Yeah. I would not, I think the, the, ruddy, the ruddy ones, yeah. um, they're the Definitely. They're also the ones we catch pretty often from the wood creepers, but yeah, yeah. wood creepers do not and then which like bird to be held is in hands. Just really zen. A warbler. Warblers. Yeah. They will just be there, like, do it. <laughs> take, take my measure. Take your measurements. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we've yeah. met some of the wood creepers, and they have been feisty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very feisty. So Definitely. Josh, so. my bird teammate, um, he. 
hates it. He cannot. Amaranta, I don't know if you met her. She's probably in one of the other camps there. Like the first day we did like practical netting. So mm -hmm. just to practice ourselves a little bit, get into the field. We had one and she was like, I'm going to let it go. We didn't ah. take any measurements. She was like, I'm letting it go. <laughs> I cannot. Get it back in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do like it a little bit. <laughs> okay. So then once you've got your bird then and we've identified the species, what is it that we're, that you're looking at? Uh, when you're taking your measurements. A things. bunch of morphometric measurements, like obviously like if we can, we try to sex it. Either we do it based on plumage, so like the, the, the color mm -hmm. of the bird, their feathers. Like I said, sometimes they're dimorphic, so that means that males and females look completely different and then of course do not do any effort whatsoever further, uh, you know, immediately. But then the second point you can do is like now breeding season, males and females will show different breeding characteristics where females develop like a brood patch, it will drop the feathers on the belly, it gets like red, wrinkly, sometimes fluid filled. You yeah. see that she's like taking care of eggs yeah. there. So, so what is the brood patch? What does it do for the bird? Well, it's kind of like, yeah, to sit over the eggs and keep them warm and mm. I don't I don't know actually the thermodynamic process behind mm. it. Maybe Jack? I think, well I think it's because feathers are really good at keeping the bird warm yeah. but when they're trying to transfer heat to the eggs. Yeah they're actually not that great yeah. so they so just like, nice says, there, yeah. like they lose a whole patch of feathers on their yeah. chest so that they can get their skin actually in yeah. contact with the eggs and keep them warm yeah brood patch would be an indication of a female bird you would think but then there is always tricky species exactly one we have here in the hands oh really we've had one before um so males normally will develop a cp in shorts, it's a cloacal protuberance, or yeah. basically a bird's penis. A bird's dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and when the males go in breeding condition, it will enlarge. Um, but so no, we will notice that there are some species where the males also help out in the um, breeding and brooding process. Mm. So they will also develop a brood patch. So, so if not, they incubate, then they'll lose the yeah, feathers as well. So, yeah. yeah. We don't know exactly which species do it, but when we see a CP and a BP, sure it's a male because women will never develop yeah. a cloacal protuberance. And I guess we should say here, one of the great things about the work that's happening here is, you know, we know a lot of the stuff for the birds of Europe and yeah. the birds of North America because they've been studied and caught a lot and we know which birds have brood patches and which birds males do and which birds yeah. whatever. Whereas here, I guess it's much more unknown. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there is this like to, to see whether they have a brood patch, obviously you have to get rid of the feathers that are blocking your view so you go like blowing a little bit yeah you don't pluck the bird yeah, yeah. You, we're, not, we're not making it like a turkey <laughs> we just blow on the belly and as you see there are definitely feathers covering yeah. this uh, this bird's belly so let's see where's cp mm. a little bit yeah it is we're a little bit crowded round looking for a bird's penis yeah. <laughs> also with my face pretty close yeah it's getting intimate here it's getting real intimate uh, and this is. social flycatcher is looking very confused yeah. <laughs> um so this one i would i would actually not be 100 percent sure if it's mm. a cp which yeah, i always yeah. like have a teammate with me um yeah actually if it is a cp it's, it's not the most impressive one I've no, ever seen. No, Sorry, Early social stage. flycatcher. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. poor guy. <laughs> oh, oh, he did not yeah, lie. He's, he's offended now. <laughs> um, so yeah, for this one, I would see actually like that it would be either male or female. Mm -hmm. I would put an unknown yeah. because I have no certainty here in this one. Oh, he's molting though. So we often uh, check yes. the molt. It looks like a... 
I see, yeah. So how do we check the molts? What are we looking Again, for? Again, we're going to blow on our birds. <laughs> um, but now we're going to look. So birds will molt for multiple reasons, but here, often in the tropics, it will not be like a specific breeding plumage. So like males mm. will not take like a more striking plumage um, for breeding. That's something we see like in other climates more. So when you, we've opened out the wing there, you can see that one of the feathers is, is just starting to grow oh, yeah. through, can't you? So yeah. starting to replace those flight feathers Yeah. because they get really worn. They will over the course of the year. I think they do it about once a year. Mm. Um, often you can see it's like so they do it also in a synchronical order from like your most outer feather, like your primaries, up mm -hmm. to the middle. And actually, if you see like I don't know if it's now, but these ones definitely look a little bit more withered, even though it might. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is just from taking it out of the net. Like you can see how those little parts of your feather definitely look worn yeah it definitely needs, a, needs an outfit change yeah yeah he's he's on it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's on it. <laughs> so yeah uh these are also like for example the molting characteristics again mm -hmm. a lot has not been described in tropical regions or mm -hmm. neotropical regions so we take notes yeah of it means it, it means there's no book to look at really but no. it's quite exciting to mm. to think that you know you could be yeah. a part of writing the book yeah mm -hmm. yeah so yeah if we look if it's symmetrical, it is. Ah. Always look at both wings. So that is, it's it's replacing, it so, replacing so that it can feathers. stay aerodynamic. Yeah. It replaces the same feather on both wings. It's kind of like synchronically. Yeah. Well, we see that in like pestering birds that it does it like feather by feather, more or less sometimes two feathers at a time. Whereas like, for example, ducks um, that are not so reliant, they just like prefer to drop them all at once and like invest heavily in a short flightless period. Whereas yeah. like, so they have different strategies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's periods where ducks and geese and things just lose all their flight feathers because they can escape onto the water. <laughs> but then people like me and Yanni go chasing them, yeah. round them up, and yeah. bird ringers round them up, and that's when they ring them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and yeah. So then, what sort of measurements would you take from this bird? So bill is a very important one um, because a lot of studies, studies in the past, uh, classical, uh, the Galapagos uh, finches, oh, yeah. they change their beak based on the food type they have, um, all once, one group, and then like based on yeah, divergence. But then again, like a study in the UK yeah. pretty recently done on great tits shows yeah. that now with all the bird feeders people put bird feeders outside the tits, great tits go feed on these bird feeders and there is a morphological difference between those populations and the ones that live far away from cities yeah. so birds will adapt and beak is often indicative for food source mm. um, so obviously in a project like here uh, Opwal, Calakmul, Mexico rather um, there is change in the environment it has been going on, the monitoring for 10 years. That's already like a nice, yeah. nice chunk of data. Uh, so keep on monitoring these characteristics might show some difference, some like, yeah, some trends. And maybe it doesn't, and that might also show that birds are not able to adapt. Maybe, who knows? Mm. So keeping numbers, yeah. like It's just keeping numbers. your finger on the pulse, isn't it? Yeah. So that you're, you're constantly see, yeah, yeah. seeing how it's changing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Bill is a really important one, although I think it's also a tricky one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we have to measure it from the base of the bill because we follow BTO standards. No. You said that quite, you said that quite, <laughs> as a member of the BTO. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Come on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you said that quite, you were throwing shade, that's what you were doing. I did there. a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it's the first time I follow those standards. So for me, it's just a new way of measuring. Although I understand that you take the base of the bill, but it's harder to, to see. That is a really funny thing about this, isn't it? Is that although it's the same thing, 
people all over the world do it slightly differently. Yeah. But as long as you're keeping it standardized to yep. within whichever region you're focusing on, then you still get great data. But even just putting up the nets, taking the nets down, there's a million different ways that people will do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you do the bill. Yeah. And then what else would you look at? Um, so we, ch we check the fats, mm -hmm. um, how much fat storage they have. We, we are in the tropics, so there's not a lot of advantage for these birds to stack up on a lot of fats. Rather, it would be a rather disadvantage, actually, because normally there is food year-round. Um, and it is warm. It is, yeah. it is warm. You don't need any. Extra yeah. load or extra fat <laughs> yeah. to keep you yeah. isolated there. Yeah. This um, little bird so, would cook. Yeah. So for them, it's really not not necessary to stack up, even though we see it sometimes. Um, there is definitely individual difference between species. Um, mainly breeding birds, females do tend yeah. to have a yeah. little bit more mm. obvious. Yeah. They're spending more time on their eggsies. Yeah. Um, so again, you blow on your bird to see that. I just want to say as well, while Yanni is blowing on the bird, how <laughs> she's holding it, just to kind of paint that picture. So she has her hand clasped around the body of the bird with the head of the bird sort of poking up between her two uh, index and middle finger and then the tail sticking out the back. And what it just sort of means is when she's sort of moving and, you know, talking to us, you just see the head poking out and it's sort of <laughs> looking from person to person as we're yeah. talking here. Yeah. Um, quite sort of bemused at the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. They're super chill. If you hold them like this and they're kind of like in the palm of your hand on their back, mm. they're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as soon yeah. as you reduce their ability to like flap around and stuff, yeah. it really, you they're know, really chills chill. them out, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Even when you start... <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, one here, you see, you, it's even replacing... Feathers on the body. Yeah, it's got some little feathers going through on its body there. And it's cool. I didn't even. For me, it's an interesting thing to see that the yellow feathers growing yellow pins. Actually, ah, I didn't. Yeah. I, me even remarked it either. So the the pins are like the little protective sheath as the feathers coming out of the body. Yeah. So they almost look like spikes at this stage. Yeah. And then the feathery bits pop out the side of the spike. A bit funky. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that. So yeah, we check for fat. Mm -hmm. uh, what else do we do? We measure the mold, like I say, blow on the bellies. What else? Tarsus, so that's the lower leg. Mm. Um, I have been wondering myself yeah. why the tarsus is measured. <laughs> we have not found a clear answer to that. Maybe again to see if there is like, I yeah. don't know, they got longer or shorter legs based on their habitat yeah. maybe. Um, and the tarsus is the, we should say it's the leg. Yeah. The bird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, the, the under the lower leg. Yeah, the lower like leg. Like not the not the tie. Yeah. But actually like the, the leg as you would perceive it, yeah. And even on a little bird like this, you can totally see why they're descended from dinosaurs. Mm. Yes. Like this is a little standard little bird yeah. and you can see those three toes forward, yes. one toe back, the scaly legs, exactly. They just look like little dinosaurs and the size of the nails too like yeah. they're claws for, for. Yeah. and all that's using those claws for is sitting on a branch yeah it's yeah. like, not even yeah. it's not even one of the ones that's killing things how far mm. this social flycatcher has <laughs> fallen yeah. yeah they're amazing yeah yeah they're really cool i know it's definitely <laughs> um yeah, okay, so like if we measure the tarsus here from the dance to yep. the top, give it a little fist bump so we can really get the start of the beginning of the tarsus there between the calipers. And if we do this here for this little buddy, that gives us a length of the tarsus of 19.2 millimeters. Mm -hmm. So voila. 
Lovely. Yeah. That's what we have. We can do the wing. Because the wing's got a, a fancy little ruler for the wing. Yeah. 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 Which you wouldn't actually believe how expensive it is for a ruler. Really? A ruller with I a little knob on the end. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Never acquired really it myself. Stupid little bird ringing stuff's really stupidly <laughs> expensive for what it is. <laughs> But you can't do it without it. Yeah, that's true. And they yeah. know. But you, yeah, they do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for the wing, you put their shoulder in that part that makes your ruler so expensive. <laughs> so it's like a 90 degree stopping end, kind of. Yeah, that's it's just a, a little butt on yeah. the top of the ruler, isn't it? And that's exactly where you start measuring. So, like, mm. you can't even bricolage it yourself. And you gently, but very gently, make sure that the shoulder is against the ruler. And you align those feathers parallel with the side of the ruler and then of course you go looking and this guy has a wing length of 92 mm, lovely millimeters again yeah yeah, yeah. so i've got something but we don't need the bird for that okay. so well okay are we ready to set him free yeah i think if we've got everything it's yeah. time to let him go Hope he's not too can i set him free yeah. oh yeah yes you can all right hold that so Roddy is uh, is just about to get this. Jack's done this often enough. Yeah, I have done this. Often. I'm going to give a little running commentary. So there's the the bird being passed to Roddy. Oh. Oh. And I can see the red on his crest. Yeah. Oh. 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 There we go. There we go. <laughs> he wasn't hanging around. No. There we go. I think you need to work on your grip a little bit more. I have to work on my grip as well, but whatever. So. Thank you so much for taking us out today and showing us the birds and the different methods and the social flycatcher yeah. which we got to see. Absolutely. Lovely. Yeah. Pleasure. Got yeah. to see up close, which was fantastic. That mm. little red crest he has was... I had no idea they had those and we're yeah. seeing them all over yeah. the forest. I could not be selfish and keep that for myself <laughs> while sitting on the deck three <laughs> metres away from the rest of the people. But we do have one last question for you. Uh-oh. It's a big one. Before a we let you question. go. A big question. Okay. <laughs> Yanni... What's the biggest animal you could take in a fight? Ooh, I'm not so strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depending, what the biggest animal in a fight. Oof. Do I, get any, do I get any tools? No, bare hands. Bare handed. Yeah. I can't even win with like arm wrestling from my little <laughs> sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well, how big are they? And let's work. She's down. bigger than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not. We're not talking about arm wrestling. We're talking no, about we're talk- winning so in a fight. You've got yeah. So you've got to be able to uh, subdue the animal. You've got to be able to overpower it. Oh, you guys. Um, I'm gonna have to think a little bit about maybe yeah. a red panda or something. A red panda. <laughs> a red panda. <laughs> it can come at me. I think I can. Handle you think you could be a red panda? <laughs> yeah. It's very cute though. Would you be able to? Would you be able oh, to? Oh yeah, I'll just yeah. <laughs> And then I go rub my face against its face. Just a little <laughs> uh, Yanni, just to talk everyone through that, is a hundred percent putting the red panda in a headlock. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Red Panda. Yeah, I think that's my final answer. Great answer. <laughs> Fantastic, Yanni. Thank you so much for everything. Okay, it's you're very great. welcome. It was my pleasure too. <laughs> you join us on the front, front lines. lines. This is Jack and Roddy reporting from the Western Front. Live. We are face to face with the enemy. Yeah. We've literally gone behind enemy lines with the other side of their western edge to the camp itself. They are many. We are outnumbered totally. 
Oh, like a billion to one. Yeah. We're, of course, talking about the famous Camp Ants. Yeah. Now, we are sat next to one of the trails of the leafcutter ants. Now, like, in of itself, these are... We were looking at these the other day, weren't we? Yeah. We were just sat next to them, watching them, and they are mad things. So they make these... We should describe, like, where we are. We're sat between the shower block... Yeah. And the toilets, just right by the camp. There will be a diagram on the Instagram page. Yeah, so we're right back. There's actually an ant crawling over my microphone as we speak. The invasion has begun. Yeah. So we are sat between um, between these two places, and we have lines of ants everywhere. So the main nest itself is right in front of the toilets. Like right in front. Above ground, it is a two-meter diameter circle, possibly even three, which is hills and hills and hills Yeah, uh, with holes, entrances, everything else. There are some students back from a survey right now. If you can hear some clacking, that's what that is. Yeah, we are uh, right on the edge of the camp. Like I said, the front lines. Yeah. <laughs> Ant war student surveys. We're on the edge of it all. Now, I would take a guess, Jack, that what we see above ground of that nest probably goes yeah. at least three meters down oh yeah these ant nests are huge aren't they they're colossal underground yeah from that span out two main arteries into the forest we're behind for the purposes of this the western front yeah <laughs> but there is an eastern front and we'll be bringing you news from the eastern front later yeah yeah this one is the most established yep um, it's the main highway. Very much their supply route. So if we can cut off access to their supplies, <laughs> it, we may tip the balance. The supplies in question are leaves. Yep. For they are leaf cutter ants, and they build. The, well, they make these extraordinary highways through the forest, which they clear. You can really clearly see. It mm. looks like um, like bike trails, doesn't it? Sort yeah. Of if you're out and about and you see well used bike trails, areas that there are slight depression in the yeah. ground where they've cleared all the forest leaf litter and stuff like that so that they have a really easy highway to move up and down literally picked up the other leaves like the dead leaves that they're not interested in bits of rock bits of whatever moved it either side yeah to just these are engineers these are infrastructure experts yeah as army logistics go <laughs> they're putting no obstacle in their path in their quest for leaf one of the most extraordinary things maybe the most extraordinary thing is that they're not eating these leaves no no interest in eating them they're not eating the leaves. They want to eat fungus yeah. that grows on the leaves. Because our enemy is a farmer. Yeah. They farm in their nest. They create the perfect conditions for a specific type of fungus to grow on the chopped up leaves that they collect from the canopy so that they can eat that. And I would add to that, it would appear... Now, I don't know if this is specific to this nest or the species or whatever, but it seems to be a specific type of leaf as well. Because yeah. you can follow the tracks to the base of trees, and then they, of course, you know, just go up, and they are choosing the same species of tree throughout the camp. Yeah, so they know what they want. They do. Total domination yeah. of the camp is what they're after. Because in the tracks, in the working uh, lanes, are the worker ants. All they're bothered about is leaf. Like, their <laughs> whole life is is you know shuttling backwards and forwards fetching leaves they are in the nine to five daily grind it, it's not even nine to five it's it's nine to nine the next day and then again it's yeah. leaf no weekends whatever you think about your boss this queen demands leaf <laughs> surrounding them either side of the tracks and straying from the tracks roving off mm. are the soldiers yeah now 
I'm going to take a quick detour here to explain Jack's costume and my costume outfit for the day. <laughs> Jack is suited and booted in full jungle gear. Yeah. I'm in flip-flops and shorts. Yeah. Questionable. One of us is more susceptible to ants than the other. <laughs> I'll let you work that one out, listener. But I'm in full walking boots, long trousers, and we are perched, you know, what, two feet away, if looking that. down upon the ants. There's a big one there just walking by. We can see them marching towards us. And they, the soldiers, if you get too close the soldiers will like shoot out and just start attacking which when they're in front of the toilets and the place where you fill up your shower bucket is not inconvenient yeah. to <laughs> say the least certainly not an unusual occurrence no to be attacked by ants and this is just the western front yeah like i said we will describe the eastern front later but yeah a brief picture it heads towards where we get the food <laughs> so any cues for food we're at war yeah now hidden further below ground are the mages now we don't really see them much in the day they seem to come out a little bit more at night but these are of course bigger than the soldiers they've earned their stripes yeah and the major ants are brutal big the major ants draw blood yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we saw a pretty vicious attack on a flip-flop a couple of days ago didn't yeah we? yeah where it was like sunk in there people who've been bitten by the majors have gone to pull the majors off and a lot of the ant has gone with them, but the head and mouth yeah. parts have stayed chomped down. When they close their jaws, they do not let go. So much so that the Mayans would use them as stitches. So cool. Like, yeah, imagine you've got a cut on your arm or something. The Mayans would literally take these massive ants, hold them against the cut so that the jaws would go either side of the wound and then hold it together. And then you pull off the body and the head just stays there. Yeah. And all of this to protect to save to serve yeah the queen the queen somewhere deep underground deep in the earth is queen of leaf <laughs> queen of fungus yeah oh look at that one look at the, the leaf that that one is carrying yeah now an amazing thing about these ants is they are properly like robotically trained to follow pheromones there's one on my flip-flop so if they oh that's quite a big one yeah that's one of the soldiers for the podcast Oh, it's, it's having a little tickle. Oh, it's biting down onto the flip-flop. Oh, God. Roddy, to describe what happened there, listener, Roddy said, for the podcast, and went to get bitten by the ant, and then <laughs> saw it chewing on his flip-flop and recoiled his foot. <laughs> so there are there is only so far we will go for how many geese. We'll keep going, and you will know if I get bit. But yeah, the, the ants, as they move up and down these highways, they're following a pheromone trail. Yeah. So they really are like little robots because you can pick up the leaves that they're carrying and then the ant attached to the bottom and you can take it off the pheromone trail and they'll just roam around lost. And then as soon as you pick them back up and put them back on the trail... Oh, you they they <laughs> Man down. Man down. Send the medic. There we go. Okay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what being bitten by a soldier leafcutter ant sounds like. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. I was in the middle of science. <laughs> um, but yes, so they follow these really deeply ingrained pheromone trails, and if you take the ant off the trail, it just gets completely lost. Yeah. Yep. Or if you just cross, like, your finger or a stick across the trail to just break it, even just by, like, a centimetre, mm. they there's chaos. And they, they all, like, pile up, don't they? They pile up, they don't know what's happening, and then slowly, sort of, one gets nudged across the gap, and then another gets nudged across, and slowly the trail reforms. Yeah. But I, the other day, tried to, sort of, make them a detour, you know, bring in a bit of outside thought to their engineering uh, by... 
I don't really know how to describe this. Like well, you made like a bypass system, didn't you? Exactly, a bypass system. You made a loop on their trail. Yeah, tried to steer them that way. No interest. They had no interest. No interest whatsoever. No, they they don't need our human interventions. No, they ant has been honed over <laughs> millennia to perfection. <laughs> to perfection. Yeah. To desire only one thing, the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we are very pleased to be joined by Ezekiel. Hello, Ezekiel. Hi. Welcome. Now, you are part of Operation Wallacea looking at the birds, aren't you? Yes, I'm looking for the birds in this expedition. And so, you've, you've had a very exciting day today. Yes, today I have a lifer trying to find for maybe four or five years, maybe. Yeah. What, and what bird was it? We saw the black and white uh, owl. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. And you said it might be four or five years until you see your next lifer. Yeah, you it lasts a take long time yeah, here. Because you've seen a lot of the birds. Yeah, yeah, here, lot, you? yeah. Can you tell us just a bit about your story and, and you and the birds here? Me and my story with the birds is quite weird because uh, I was a carpenter. Ah, when somebody, some biologist or bird watchers went with me, if they invite me to go in one training course to be to become a guide, ah. oh, it was like an intense two months. Yeah, yeah, I went and then I, I fell in love with and, and the birds. That's great. But, yeah. How long ago was that? That was in twenty, twenty six, twenty six, mm-hmm. two thousand six. Yeah, 2006. Yeah. yeah. So you do you, uh, do you just do guiding now? No more carpenting. Yeah, just guiding, guiding. Yeah, a, a little bit of honey. Yeah. 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 Cool. That is. And the guiding work is it just in Kalakmul or around the whole state or? No, just in the biosphere reserve of Kalakmul right now. Mm. I can do it in many places, but I live close to this area. I don't need to move far away because yeah. it's easy here. Yeah. Fantastic. And so how long have you been working with Operation Wallacea? Oh my God, that is longer, maybe yeah. 2014. Yeah. My first time, yeah. And you come along and you help with the mist netting and things like that? Yeah, no. First, I had a friend now, he's not here. It's Enrique. He mm. told me, he asked me, I want to uh, came here in Operation Wallacea because Katy opened one new camp mm-hmm. and she need other point counter. And then it's the reason because Katy called me and then I accepted Fantastic. the challenge yeah, to, to do the point count. Because you know what all the birds sound like, don't you? you, you but you can hear them and you can say what they are and you you know all the sounds of the forest? Oh, mostly of them, yes. Yeah. I know many sounds of one bird. Yeah. But the most common, sometimes new bird, like the, today, this uh, this owl, uh, I don't remember how that, the sound, but if I hear it, maybe I said, oh, I haven't heard that one, and yeah. like, like, maybe it's new for me, or maybe it's not new, or it's only a new song, maybe one bird I know. 
but sometimes I don't know the hundred percent. But yeah. I know maybe, let's say ninety percent. I mean, that's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's it's a enough, lot of yeah. birds yeah. here, isn't there? I think it's enough for the point count. Yeah. yeah. And what's your favorite favorite bird in Kalakmul? Oh my god, I like everything. Many people ask me about that. I like snakes, frogs, birds, ah. plants. Maybe I, if I choose a bird, maybe I gonna choose hummingbird. Ah, they're cool birds. Yeah. yeah, they're so cool. And we we don't have them in Europe, or they're not in Africa or Asia. They're very special to mm-hmm. the Americas, and they're always amazing to see. Yeah, I I love to see when they are flying. Yeah. Yeah, how amazing. they fly, how they reflect the colors, and the nests, the nests, amazing nests. tiny nests. Mm, yeah. yeah, and do you live in the biosphere? No, no, I live just next to the biosphere. So only twenty kilometers after the biosphere. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. and have you always lived in the area, or did you move here? No, I always live here. I born here in this area, and I grow in this called municipality of Kalamultu. And so, are there a lot of people in your uh, where you live who do work like tour guides or jobs at the biosphere, or is it a very small number who do? It's only guiding. We are only two. Oh wow! People oh. involved with tourism more. Yeah, we have a successful uh, women doing uh, handcraft, and they sell like a workshop tools to the to the visitors. Oh, cool. And they are successful. They are great uh, women yeah. doing that kind of job. You know? Yeah. Okay. Even they have a house where the visitors go and they can sleep in the house. They have like a... Uh, like a, they, are in, they are in touch with the visitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what type of handicrafts? Like... They have basically three... No, four. One is wood. Mm-hmm. They use wood because we have huge... Uh, owners of land and then we have stones and mm. then a uh, fabric yeah. the fabric is about traditional dressing cloth ah. yeah. embroidering and then that is that now you mentioned the mayan ruins yeah and i see you reading books about mayan ruins all the time you're really interested in the in the mayan culture of the past uh, i just wondered how why is that so important to you I don't know, but in high school, I liked history for the country and the world. Yeah. And then I liked the history of Mexico, especially the, the past yeah. and the native of the present. I like how it's possible to see the, or the ancient religion is mm. hiding behind the Catholic religion. Oh, that it's, is interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Have but you got I, any uh, examples? I have the example by a ceremony made by my um, grandparents. But they stopped doing it. But it's like offering. The forest have a owner. They call guardians. Mm. They are scared to remove the forest if they don't bring shamans with official offering. And they asking of the of the owner or the guardian is it possible to remove the forest. Yeah. And they ask and the shaman respond. But they have a, they have they they left some food. Or they leave some food for the for those gu- spirit guardians. Ah. That is the things, and it's called that one saka, saka, <laughs> something <laughs> weird. Yeah, <laughs> saka is in the Maya language. Yeah, but it's food for the for the guardian of the forest. It's a spirit. Yeah, yeah. That is like uh, they are dancing. They are uh, something mixed because they are praying the rain god Chuck, mm-hmm. but even they are praying 
the Maria, you know, the mother of oh, Ma- Mary. Mary. The Virgin Mary. Mary. Yeah. yeah. The Virgin yeah. Mary. Yeah. So both. they pray to both. <laughs> yeah, they pray both. <laughs> yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, just to make one is the best one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Very good. Other things I like about ruins is about hieroglyphics. Yeah. Mm. Because I can see hieroglyphics and then I'm wondering which kind of things the Mayas try to to write in those kind of inscription. Yeah. 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 And then I. I, I I have read a lot about them, and then I, when I watch a stone, most more or less I can calculate it in which period was oh. coded at the stones, according how they cut it. Ah. Because I received training. Yeah. Oh, cool. So when you do the guiding, do you do birds and also ruins? Uh, not really. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. But basically, the people interested in ruins, they're interested in big animals small these yeah, jaguars yeah. difficult for them to they have not experience to use binoculars yeah they cannot find the birds uh, yeah. if we want find the toucan yeah or the turkeys or other kind of big birds i yeah. showed them yeah and you said you make the honey as well yeah that was my f- main job before become a guide yeah that was so do you make do you, you make less honey now Less honey because I don't have time some yeah. to to see them, but especially is for the global warming. Maybe the government, no, the global warming. Ah, oh, you know the drought. The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. drought now. Ah, bees die. Yeah, it's not raining in the correct moments. Yeah, yeah. Ah, wow, you have problems. And yeah. are you seeing that with the wildlife, everything being affected? Yeah, everything is affected. Yeah, everything. Less wildlife we have. We have less trees, less animals, mm. less birds too. Yeah. yeah. I remember to find a lot of emerald to connect in my village. Now, no. no. That wow. happened like uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. Big wow. difference. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned Saka as being in the Mayan language. Do you speak Mayan? Yes, I speak Maya. Not completely very well, but the reason is this. When I was with, when I born, uh, and then with five years old, I was a lot of time with my, my grandma. My grandma didn't speak Maya. But my ma, grandma died when I have six years old. Yeah. And I, I stopped using Maya, but I learned it. I was speaking in Maya at the beginning. Yeah. And then in the school, never tried again my parents never talked with us in maya do they teach maya in the schools here not here but a little bit in the north of the yucatan peninsula yes ah. they try to save the maya language because it's disappearing yeah. Ah. yeah so do you or do people in the area do you feel maya or do you feel mexican or both or both both yeah. both yeah. mexico is nationalist yeah and then we are if we are maya or the people are Celtal or Choles, they feel Mexicans, but even they feel like their culture yeah. belongs. The idea about why we, we are like a natives, we are proud is because thanks to the archaeologists. Yeah. They work a lot to promote the house that one, the great uh, things left by the Mayas or yeah. the yeah. important of the natives of Mexico. Yeah. yeah. And they are proud now. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, could you teach us some Maya? Was, um, How do I say yeah. there is a bird? Young humpage each. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. One more time. Yam hupach each. Yam hupach each. Yam hupach each. Yam hupach each. Yam is their eye. Yeah. Each is the bird. And how do I say my name is Roddy? Inkaba is Roddy. Inkaba is Roddy. Yeah. In is like mine. Kaba is the name. Inkaba. Inkaba is Roddy. Inkaba Inkaba. is Jack. Inkaba is Jack. Inkaba is Jack. Very cool. Okay. Cool to say something. I I speak the Maya language called Yucatec or the Peninsular. But our family is huge. We are like a 30 different Maya language and the Maya word Belize, Guatemala, Honduras, and Salvador, Mexico. Ah, it's what? not the only one. Yeah, so lots and lots of localized. So that's Yucatan Maya yeah. that you Yucatan speak. Maya, yeah. yeah. Cool. Amazing. How many guides in total work in the forest, or do you know? Yeah, we are 40. 40. Okay. 40 but mostly of them are only talking about just Karagmul yeah. you're asking other about other places they don't know yeah yeah and if you're talking if they ask about birds they know the common and then they get lost about <laughs> <laughs> that thing yeah, yeah. okay they, 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 they don't read more they don't prepare more yeah, yeah. That, yeah. birders we are three right it's Claudio Ezequiel and Enrique and that's because it's very specialist to yeah, specialist in birds. Yeah, yeah. To know all the birds. They can't do the things I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you good. the best? No, I don't feel the best. Oh yeah. come on, Ezekiel. Yeah, because so I don't know. How, it's always I decide. I don't know how much my friend Claudio yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know how much my friend uh, Enrique know. Yeah. But all yeah, I, uh, I'm happy if I learn more. If they do it. Is is good too. Yeah, yeah. Because we increase our knowledge about the the um, the nature, including yeah. birds and a snake. Yeah. I am guide, and then mostly I feel like a naturalist. I'm trying to learn everything about the nature. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Well, thank well, you very much for. I'm going to ask the question. You're going to ask the question, Ezekiel. We have a question yeah. that we've asked to every single person, <laughs> and that is, what is the biggest animal? you think you could take in a fight which is the biggest animal are you gonna take to fight yeah that you could beat in a fight just you bare hands no no weapons no tools oh my god this small side maybe the jaguar you think you're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i'm gonna lose maybe because i think you're gonna weapons. lose yeah <laughs> yeah because the the thing now the, the fangs the teeth the, the no, claws the, fangs, the claws and the fangs yeah the, yeah both of them. I don't have that. Thing. You don't have that. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to pinch the eye maybe. Ta, ta, ta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things, things going to poke a Jaguar in the <laughs> eye and yeah. take the victory. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to Thank us. You. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you to ask me. Yeah. Bye-bye. And that was our bird episode. A big thank you everyone to listening and to Yanni and Ezekiel for taking us out and showing us the birds. Ezekiel too taught us some Mayan. We never in a million years thought we'd be learning Mayan when we first sat down to make this show. Very fitting that our bird episode is this week because if you aren't following Jack you may not have seen it but he's recently won an award from the British Trust for Ornithology for all his work with birds and promoting them. So a big congrats to my co-host there. Head over to the Instagram page at HowManyGeese to see some pictures to go with this episode. And if you want to support the show, you can go to buy me a coffee at 
how many geese but if you can't do that just head over and leave us a review wherever you're listening to the show every little helps look forward to next week take it easy cheers bye